You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast, and welcome to our victorious episode of the Bears and Seahawks postgame show. The final whistle just blew, and our Bears beat the Seattle Seahawks 24-17 on Monday night. Matt Nagy now officially has his first victory as the Chicago Bears head coach, and maybe it's a week too late, but regardless, we're here to break down this Bears win tonight. I'm Eros Littlewit, and to help me break down this game, I have two of my Bears brothers right here with me. I'm joined by Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Guys, before we enter our opening drive, I like to do this once in a while, and I'm ready for it. Summarize this game in one word. Brandon? Mm, one word. See, this is tough because I always like to make a whole sentence. Uh, one word, uh, relief. Uh, it's just nice to get uh, the first win for Coach Nagy here. Yeah, that was way more than one word. Nick, what do you got? I'll go with dramatic um, just because of the first half and how Trubisky was kind of playing, the defense playing great. Then you see Seahawks get a touchdown. And you're like, oh, is this going to happen again? But dramatic, but in in a good way. Dramatic. Yeah, definitely dramatic. Uh, a little scary there maybe at some points or another, especially with uh, the offense kind of doing what they did. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But guys, let's go ahead and jump right into that opening drive and the first quarter of our show. And let's begin with this week's monster moment. And my monster moment this week is going to be Prince of Mukamara's pick six because I have here in my notes, the Bears defense gives up a touchdown. The Seahawks bring it to a seven-point game. The answers, uh, the, the offense answers with a three and out. How does the defense respond? And they respond with a huge turnover. Uh, and that was Prince of Mukamara's first interception since 2015. It was a 49-yard pick six, the first pick six of his career. Uh, he had a good cutback, too, on that return to beat Russell Wilson, find his way into the end zone. And that's a moment where the defense really needed to step up, make a play. They did so. They got off the field, and they actually put up points uh, and at the same exact time to make it a two-score game, which proved pretty pivotal here towards the end. So for me, Prince of Mukamara's pick six is going to be my monster moment. Now let's go over to Brandon for his stat of the game. Stat of the game is going to be one because there were a lot of firsts in this game. Uh, you mentioned Prince Mukamara's pick six. Uh, Trey Burton got his first touchdown as a bear. Anthony Miller got his first career touchdown. Uh, Will, I think your bold prediction came true if this is the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Trubisky had his first game where he threw multiple touchdowns. Yes, and sir. also the first win for Matt Nagy, as I alluded to earlier. So stat of the game is one, a night just full of firsts, and it was really exciting to see finally. Yes, it was. First, that's a good one. I take that. I mean, you can even and talk first about first win of the season. I didn't even include that one in there. There you go. That's exactly where <laughs> I was going to go. Like, don't forget, we have our first win of 2018 also on the board. The Bears are sitting here one and one. We're at 500 for the first time in 38 weeks, uh, 38 NFL weeks, which is a very, very long time. But, Nick, over to you. Are you going to give us a Nick snack since it was a victory? Oh, of course. I think we have to. I mean, like you said, 38 weeks, that's crazy. But this is going to the Bears just finishing the game in that second half. The, the offense scored 14 points. And the defense, like you said, with their monster moment, Prince of Mukamura, 
more again, that pick six causing that uh, sack fumble from Trevathan and Floyd picking that up. Just the defense closing out the game. I know they gave up that score at the end. That's garbage time. That doesn't really mean anything, but the bears finished the game and they won. And that's something that we haven't seen a lot in Chicago. So knack is just going to closing a game, especially when they're leading in the first half. Absolutely. It's something that uh, was your knock uh, a week ago in terms of not finishing. So definitely a good way to turn the tables here and applaud them for actually doing so. And I know last week when we had Will Ingles on, I gave him a section. We called it the lowdown, which is a specific reason why the Bears won or lost game. And since the Bears won, Nick, I want to go right back to you. Can you give us the lowdown? Why did the Bears win? You know, I think it had a, obviously the defense played phenomenal against Russell Wilson for the good majority of four quarters. But really, the offense had to score at some point just to give that defense a break. And I think that second half, even though that offense was struggling going into halftime, they were able to sustain some long drives on the one touchdown drive that ended to Anthony Miller. There was not- finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. A third down on that, on that single drive. So the Bears are being efficient. The play calling was better. Trubisky got in a little bit of a groove. So I'm going to – obviously the defense played a humongous role in the Bears winning, but the offense really stepped up and, you know, gave the – the majority of the team just a score to keep that lead ahead. What about you, B? Why do you think the Bears won today? I'm going to go with what Nick said. Uh, the defense played a humongous part in this game. And there were times, especially throughout the first half, they were getting so much pressure on Russell Wilson that I was only watching the front seven because there was no need to watch the secondary because Wilson couldn't even get the ball out in time. Uh, and when you get that kind of pressure on a quarterback, they had five sacks in the first half that just speaks volumes for the tone that's set for the rest of the game. And the Bears were in such control in that first half, despite only putting up 10 points. I think the defense played, like Nick said, to take his words, a humongous role in this one. Oh, I was going to ask, what's the over-under on how many times we ever said humongous on the show? I'm pretty sure it's been zero. <laughs> and now we have three uttered in the last 90 seconds. So we're setting records here ourselves. But guys, let's go ahead and hand out our most valuable Bears of the day, your MVBs. And I'm going to begin, and I'm going to give mine to Allen Robinson. You know, the 10 catches, 83 yards on the 14 targets. His longest play of the day was only 14 uh, yards for one single play, but his impact was felt, uh, you know, all game long for this Bears offense. More times than not, that was the guy that Trubisky was targeting. And Allen Robinson is a guy who can make those catches, you know, underneath uh, in the contested lanes, coming up the ball with really strong hands. And he was fighting for the extra yards all game long. I really liked what I see out of Allen Robinson. Uh, definitely the coming out party for him with those 10 catches today. And yeah, I don't have a stat on how many third downs he converted or how many times he uh, got as close to it. But I know out of those 10 catches uh, for 83 yards, averaging 8.3 yards per catch, uh, he was definitely a huge reason uh, why the Bears were able to be successful on offense on the drives in which they were. Um, but for me, Allen Robinson being that guy that Trubisky can rely on, something he didn't have a week ago, is going to be the reason why he's my MVP. And let's go over to Brandon. Who's yours? I predicted Eddie Jackson, and I think there's other guys that are deserving of it, but I am going to give it to Eddie because last week he said, you know, the defense played lazy. We need to do better than that. And he came out, he had three tackles, he had a sack, a quarterback hit, a pass deflection. This one kind of kind of flies under the radar as far as defense goes because there were a lot of guys on defense that were deserving it more than Eddie Jackson. Uh, but I think he 
he ate his words uh, from from this week in the press conference, and he showed up. I mean, I didn't see any laziness from him really. Uh, there was one play, the the touchdown to Tyler Lockett, the Cal Fuller was you know just draped all over him. That Eddie Jackson could have helped, but he was playing the run on that one because they ran through uh, the majority of that drive. Uh, so you really can't fault him much on that one. But you got to expect it coming. But for the most part, I thought Eddie Jackson really turned his game around from last week. So I'm going to give it to him for his uh, his mental toughness to get through this one. Sure. Let's go over to Nick. You know, Bears first win. Who's going to be your MVP in this victory? Has to be Cleo Mack, man. Yeah. I mean, the guy yeah. just comes out yeah. every, I mean, two games now, and you just know what to expect from him. You know he's going to get a sack. You know he's going to cause a fumble. I'm surprised he didn't get a pick six this game. But Cleo Mack just does everything out there. You change the whole dynamic of that defense. The Bears know they can go three and out almost every single time with him out there. He just causes that much pressure. He's he's a you know generational talent. And I'm so glad the Bears have him on, you know, this defense because it is scary good. So I have to go to Khalil Mack. Yeah, no, Khalil Mack. Uh, I can't wait to we talk about the defense because he's <laughs> everything and more. I mean, we talked about in the pregame show, like the preview, like what can he do now? What's his follow up? And he follows up with another strong game, another strong performance. We knew that Seattle's offensive line had some issues going in, but the fact that he just can go out there and impact the game, even when he's not making plays, he's impacting uh, and enabling his teammates to go ahead and make the plays. So that is definitely MVP caliber. He's probably going to be the MVP each and every league for at least one of us at this rate, which yeah. no one's going to complain if that ends up being the case. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for the first quarter of our Bears-Seahawks postgame show. And before we enter the second quarter and break down what the Bears' offense did tonight, I need to call a timeout and tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or needing to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's something quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek gets you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices. I even check the website pretty regularly, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to search for tickets. We've used it for sports. We've used it for concerts, you know, all around the board. And personally, I love the value, uh, how you can sort by value, because you can instantly find the seats that are give you the most bang for your buck. And because SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever, and it doesn't just end with sports. Like I just mentioned, SeatGeek has plenty of tickets to concerts, comedy, and theater, too. And before the show, I was checking in because I've been asking you to check out this game. Now I'm looking ahead of Miami, our trip. We have like 50 Bears fans who are either sitting directly with us or just going to the game and want to meet us because this is a game that we are traveling to this year. So definitely check out SeatGeek for that week six matchup against the Miami Dolphins because there are still a handful of quote-unquote amazing deals. So check them out before they are no longer available. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Little Wit. I'm joined by two of my Bears brothers, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. And the three of us are breaking down this Bears 24-17 to Monday night victory, a game in which Brian Urlacher was, you know, enshrined. Well, he was enshrined, but he was honored at halftime. And the Bears defense definitely gave him uh, a show, that one that I'm definitely sure that he was proud of when it was all said and done. But we're not talking about the defense because we're in the second quarter of a show, and that's about the offense. So, guys... To start our offense discussion, I want to know, any just general opening thoughts about how the unit played as a whole throughout this game before we get into uh, positional specifics? And let's go to Nick first. You know, the Bears started off great with those scripted plays, the open drive and get a touchdown at the end. But you saw it wasn't even more so the play calling. I think Trubisky was a little off. 
He was. His footing wasn't right. He was a little inaccurate, and that had me, you know, scared going into halftime. I was questioning whether Trubisky was going to be able to, you know, get another scoring drive, but they picked it up in the second half. The play calling really helped Trubisky where he didn't have to have a lot of reads. It was just quick throws, and he threw it to Allen Robinson like 12. I don't know how many times, but it seemed like every other time was going to Allen Robinson, but the offense played better um, than that lull right going into halftime, but I liked what I saw from them. It's progress moving forward, but Mitch Trubisky needs to get a little bit better. Sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because like you said, it was, uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you want to go back to Rex Grossman, the good Rex, bad Rex kind of thing, even Jay, good Jay, bad Jay. Tonight we saw a little bit of good Mitch, bad Mitch, which I think we all agree that we want to see more good Mitch, less bad Mitch. And we'll talk about that in a moment, how he can kind of, you know, clean it up moving forward, but over to B general thoughts about the offense. Yeah. Big picture things looking forward uh, for the rest of the season. If the bears can't put up points on the opening drive on these scripted plays, I don't know how well this offense is going to perform in that certain game because this is two weeks in a row where they've put up points on the opening drive. And then at least in this game, they kind of stalled in the first half afterwards. Uh, So it just becomes that much more important that Matt Nagy has these scripted plays drawn up and run to perfection in practice. If they want to be able to score and put points on the board early, I think that's going to be huge for this team going forward as far as momentum swings. So just something to keep in mind uh, with these scripted plays, you know, if they get stopped early, it's going to be real interesting to see how Nagy adjusts. Yeah. For me, something that I was paying attention to today were, it was one of my keys to the game, right? Capitalize on opportunities when they present itself. It's something the Bears did not do a week ago. Today, I got them, and I have them about 50%. Uh, the first one, uh, the Bears, you know, started way back at their own four. Uh, they had the face mask call, and I was like, do the Bears capitalize with this huge, you know, this big penalty, 15 yards, gives them a first down, can they do it? And they did. They marched straight down the field and were able to put up a touchdown. The next one, Cohen returned that second punt for 33 yards to Chicago's 40. They didn't capitalize on that one. They had to punt at Seattle's 45, which anytime you're sending the ball, starting with the ball near midfield, you really want to find a way to at least put up three points. This is two weeks in a row where Cohen's been able to come away with a big punt return and the Bears are still scoreless afterwards. So that's something that I think they need to kind of improve on going forward in terms of keeping momentum. Because if you give up a big you know, return like that, then you're off in stalls. Then it's kind of like, you know, no momentum. Something the Seahawks couldn't agree with, with Trubisky's interceptions, not being able to score points afterwards as well. Uh, after the Trubisky's second interception, the Bears defense got off the field again. The punt was shanked. The Bears started the start with the ball with midfield. Did they capitalize? Yes, but only with the field goal. But still red zone woes there, but they're at least able to put up some points. And then lastly, uh, with that seven-point lead, 10 minutes left, the Bears had a chance to choose some clock after Seattle's touchdown, and they went three and out. So it's still a mixed bag, the Bears' offense, not being able to capitalize on every opportunity. Now, of course, not every offense does capitalize on most of their opportunities, but 50%, I think, is, a like Nick mentioned, progress going forward. Something I mean, last year, there was like, it was something that I just did not like. They're 0 for 4 on it. This time, 2 for 2. I'll take it. But guys, before we get into the position specifics, I want to know, what was your biggest surprise from the offense today? Let's go to Nick for that one. Uh, the lack of rushing production, really, in this game. It was 27 carries total for 86 yards. This is a game where I thought the Bears were going to run all over Seattle, especially with them missing their inside linebackers, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. But really, Jordan Howard didn't really get going until the end there to really close out the game. I mean, 14 carries, 35 yards. That's not a Jordan Howard-like performance. But I was really surprised that the Bears couldn't get the running, the rushing game going, uh, despite you know all the favorable matchups that they had going into this game. Key players on Seattle out, and just yeah, I was just really surprised that that didn't. From your big bear hugs to the little notes you leave in your kids' lunches, it's already obvious you're an amazing mom. But there's one thing you can do to be even more amazing: quit smoking. Because when you quit, 
Not only does your risk of heart attack, stroke, and lung cancer decrease, your kid's risk of asthma, bronchitis, and ear infection does too. It's a win-win. Call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit quitlineiowa.org for a quit plan that's right for you. Quit for you. Quit for them. Brought to you by the Iowa Department of Public Health. Get going. Same. The Bears held the lead ever since they touched the ball for the first time. They were at 7-0 and only 14 carries for Jordan Howard. It's a little nuts when you think about it. And like you said, only 35 yards. Uh, not Again, that, we can talk about the offensive line here in a minute and kind of what you know run push they were generating or lack thereof. But so only the 14 carries, despite leading uh, since early on in the first quarter, is quite baffling, which leads me to another question that, Nick, I'm going to go back to you in a minute. But, Brandon, I want to go over to you. I gave Nick the biggest surprise. What was perhaps your biggest disappointment? Uh, you know what? Ah, gosh, I don't want to. I want to kind of do something different from Nick, but really it's got to be the rushing. I mean, I thought for sure Jordan Howard and I'd even uh, suspected three Cohen would have gotten more uh, on the ground at combined 35 and eight yards. That's 40 something middle ish yards. I wish I could do math off the top of my head with people watching, but I can't unfortunately. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I just would have suspected more, I guess, out of that group. I mean, there wasn't, I guess it disappointed me uh, in a way. Well, yeah, did because as you asked the question was so I guess we'll we'll push it to the offensive line just unable being able to get a consistent push because uh, Jordan Howard he had a couple times where he had to be patient and found some bigger holes uh, but for the most part when they're just running up the middle I mean there's not much room for Jordan Howard or much time for him to be patient because it's just a big blob there's no no defined gaps in there so I think we can put this one on the offensive line for that uh, but at the same time I mean they just didn't get the amount of carries uh, to get a rhythm so a, kind of a mix of offensive line and rushing production in this one was my biggest disappointment. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk, I'll hold this for a minute. I want to I'll hold this for a minute because I have more I want to talk about in terms of the Bears running game. But uh, Nick, last week the big thing that you and I kind of talked about a lot. I mean, we all did, but was uh, Matt Nagy's play calling, and we wanted to see improvement as him in terms of being the play caller. Did we see that improvement tonight? And maybe what are some of the next steps you're hoping to see? You know, I think we did, and we you saw it just through the formations that Nagy was putting out there. I mean, Taylor Gabriel was at running back. Trey Burton was the quarterback one play. You see these uh, interesting play calls and the little shovel pass to Trey Burton. Those are easy plays for that Bears offense. And again, Trubisky's not having to really think about doing anything. So here's a handoff to Gabriel. Here's a quick pitch to Trey Burton. So I like that. The only thing that I think Nagy needs to maybe stop doing as much is there's a lot of passes on first down. And Supposedly, that's the best way of going about first down. You statistically get more yardage passing it. Um, but we saw a lot of that. And maybe that's why this Bears rushing game wasn't what it was. Because, again, we didn't see a lot of rushing on first down. There wasn't a lot of rushing in general. Again, the whole team had 27 carries. That's including Trubisky. And that's including um, Trey Burton. So not a lot of carries for this team. But there was a lot of passing on first down. I want to see if Nagy kind of differentiates the, the play calling moving forward. But there's a lot of creative stuff, which is encouraging to see. Yeah. And just taking one quick step back before we get to Trubisky now, uh, my biggest disappointment uh, was the third down on the second half of the game, in the second half of this game. In the first half, the Bears were 5 of 8 on third down, which is a very solid number, something I can live with. Uh, in the second half, they were 0 for 4 on third down. So yet another time where, even again, the Bears came away with the win here, but it's still another instance where this offense has an opportunity uh, to keep momentum on their side, uh, choose some clock, and then you'll 0 for 4 on third down in the second half. That needs to be cleaned up moving forward. There's no reason to come out after halftime adjustment and being unable to convert one single third down for the entire remaining 30 minutes. But all right, guys, let's go ahead and jump on into our position specifics now. And let's go ahead and begin with uh, the quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Ended the game with uh, 200 yards passing on 34 attempts. 
uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, two sacks. Lots of twos here. Um, but Brandon, like you mentioned, it was Trubisky's first multi-touchdown game. It was his third multi-interception game at that as well. But so a little good, a little bad, like we already mentioned. But uh, let's go over to Brandon first because I think you have more of a positive take. And let's begin with uh, with let's begin with that. Yeah, a lot more positive take because he was twenty-five of thirty-four. That's seventy-three percent on the day. I don't know what much more you could ask him to do. I mean, receivers are going to drop some balls from time to time. He's going to miss a couple guys. He missed Taylor Gabriel down the seam, which was one that would have been huge if it was completed. But for the most part, I mean, 70%, I mean, they weren't all short routes. A lot of intermediate passes. He struggled on the deep ones, which I think were a lot of the incompletions. Uh, But his first multi-touchdown game, that's going to be a huge confidence boost for him going forward. And the one interception, I mean, his feet weren't really set. Uh, It was short, and it was Shaquille Griffin that picked it off. Get the brothers mm-hmm. mixed up there a little bit. Was. Yeah. Uh, so he picks that one off because the pass is a little short to Allen Robinson. The other one batted at the batted at the line of scrimmage, and it's just kind of a free-for-all. It ends up in the linebacker's hands for the interception. So you can't really fault him so much on the second one because the defensive lineman did his job, got his hands in the way. So really, I think that there's no reason to, to harp on Mitch Trubisky a whole lot in this one. He did try to do a little bit too much with his feet from time to time, still a little bit of happy feet, but for the most part, he had a very productive day, and I'm overall really happy with this despite the two interceptions. He threw for two touchdowns and completed over 70% of his passes. I don't know what much more you could ask for this guy to do. I thought he had a very, very solid game. Okay, Nick, you heard what Brandon had to say. Do you have a rebuttal? Yeah, I'm going to be completely honest. I was, I was almost on the verge of like, losing it with Trubisky just watching because when he went out there after you know the interceptions I was like I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable right now with him going out in this office I don't want him to turn it over again it was like almost Jay Cutler-esque which is not a good feeling to go back to um and especially because uh there were times where not even on the interception remember the run where he just reads the block wrong from Trey Burton supposed to go up the field but tries to go outside you're like what is what is Trubisky doing is this are the interceptions getting to him and then there should have been probably a third interception that could have been a pick six it was onto the left side where Trubisky escapes the pocket just throws it in the middle and or throws it to the sideline but there's two Seahawks defenders where he should have floated it over or just thrown it out of bounds and you're just thinking, what is Trubisky doing? I, I know that he can make all the throws, but again, you didn't see him at times set his feet. That big Taylor Gabriel play, that could have easily gone for a touchdown. Taylor Gabriel's got the speed. Once he gets out in open space, he can take it all the way. And then obviously the Allen Robinson play, that's a time where you give an opportunity to Robinson to go make that catch. Don't underthrow him. It's either you're going to throw it out of bounds where nobody but- can get it. But he or, did have pressure on his backside, so the clock in his head is probably ticking at that point, which he was right, and we've seen it in his feet because then he kind of wanted to do something, but he had his guy one-on-one. Yeah, I just I mean, want to throw just, that out there. It's just that that hesitant, like he's not decisive with it. He, if he makes a decision, make the decision, and then you can live with the outcome. But it's like he was hesitant, then threw it, not with as much power as he would have liked, gets an interception. Again, you know, Trubisky rebounded. He really did, and I'm so glad he did because, like I said, going into halftime, I'm thinking, man, is this the same old story? The Bears, I think, were up 10-3, to 3, so I didn't know, is this offense going to be able to do something? Is the defense going to be able to hold down and you know just cover all, all these receivers and get to Russell Wilson? They kind of didn't. They didn't get any. I don't think they got um, another sack until the end there, but Trubisky improved, but it was a little scary going to halftime for me personally. Yeah, But and, I do want to throw ahead. it out there real fast, too. Uh, I mean, his decision-making was, was a little iffy at times, I will give you that, because I absolutely agree. There were times in game management where – he needs to improve. I will agree on that. But overall, I think performance-wise, as aggressive as he was, and as much as Matt Nagy trusted him in this one, I absolutely think that he did a lot of the right things. Beside going into halftime, I think was his weakest part of the game. But overall, 
I mean, very solid performance on a, a coach that wants to be aggressive, and Trubisky showed that he wants to be aggressive. So I thought that uh, overall, I mean, I'm not going to knock on him too hard in this one at all. I like the aggressive mentality. I have it here, too. I like that he actually took that calculated risk. He had Robinson one-on-one down the sidelines. He just underthrew it. The issue with the throw, though, is that underthrows on those deep balls along the sideline is something that we've noticed from the very first week of training camp. So he really needs to figure that out. Just lead your guy a little bit more. It's uh, it's a little concerning that he hasn't really got that straightened out after it's been, what, a month and a half now since they've put the pads on. So it's hard because you expect him to grow from it, but he's still making the same mistake. He's still underthrowing, which I know he has the arms. I don't know what's holding him back. Um, but Nick, it's- go ahead. I think it's also just a little bit of game time, uh, the lack of game time that he's had too. Uh, because when the lights are on, I think it's a little different than practice, but just my guess. Yeah, but he was still doing it at practice too. So it's it's on both sides of the well, spectrum. It doesn't matter then if he's still doing it. Well, I mean, it does matter if he's doing it in practice. <laughs> it definitely just, matters. Under the lights, I think there's a little more pressure to make that pass. It just for a guy who's going to be the franchise quarterback, you really want him to Got make plenty it. plenty of time. And again, and again, I'm not saying like it's, you know, that's it. I'm over with it. But I'm saying it's something that, you, I would expect a little bit more growth by now in that little area of the department. And then Nick's throw that he was talking about, the would have been third interception. Uh, the reason I have a little bit of issue with it is just because that came in a red zone. Like he was like, he almost could have took more points off the board there. At least we were able to come away with a field goal there and settle. But that still came in a red zone. And I like, again, I like he's being aggressive, but I don't think that was the time to be aggressive when you're out of the pocket, multiple Seattle Seahawks defenders right in front of him, and he threw it right to him. It was a little scary. But uh, overall, I want to get back to the positives here. I saw a lot of good Mitch, too. Uh, he found Cohen in that ad-lib play for, uh, for 17 yards on the sideline when he was scrambling and was able to toss up a nice touch ball, which Trubisky throwing a ball with a little bit of touch is something we haven't seen all too much. And when he does, it's usually effective. So I hope he can kind of build upon that. But overall, I liked how he started this game, right? Six or seven, 50 yards. And he actually added 17 yards rushing, too. And so on that very first drive, out of the 96 yards, uh, uh, Trubisky accounted for 77 of them. And then he started the second half really hot as well. Uh, for the half after Miller's touchdown, he was sitting at 11 for 12 for 78 yards and another touchdown. So again, he's completing the passes like Brandy said, 74% on the day. Uh, and he was able to come away with a few touchdowns. So you're seeing growth. Uh, still a little bit of uh, things to clean up. So Nick, if you're looking forward to next week, uh, what would be one area of concern that you would like our quarterback who now has 14 career starts to kind of clean up you know i just want to see him be, be decisive whatever he's doing whether he's throwing the ball to an out route to Allen robinson or is he looking to run just want to be want him to be decisive in his decision making and again setting his feet that's a big thing trubisky once he sets his feet that ball is going to be exactly where he wants it to be it's going to be in his receiver's hands and they're going to make progress that i just want to see him set his feet make the right decisions moving forward. And this offense will be fine. Again, the Bears won this game with with the offense having its ups and downs again. Um, But there's progress being made here. The Bears scored, again, 14 points in that second half. So, again, progress being made, but I just want to see Trubisky each and every week just make those quicker decisions, uh, live with whatever decision you're making, but just make it decisively and and just throw accurately when that starts with setting your feet. Yeah, for 74%. (laughs) <laughs> and he also missed a wide open touchdown to Taylor Gabriel. So, I mean, it's, I I think there's definitely he's it's not like he played a perfect game. He just needs to improve. And there were yes. times where he showed that definitely in the second half. And I would like to see more than 5.1 yards per pass. I mean, we've seen it earlier in the games where he'll take those deeper shots. And then it gets really conservative, which, again, goes more down to play calling as well. But only 5.1 yards per pass. Uh, it's not 
the end of the world. If you're looking at Seattle today, they did a 4.8. So it's kind of mirrored uh, what Russell Wilson was able to do in terms of the yards per pass. But one thing I've noticed, and this is, we're getting nitpicky and that's okay, I guess. But um, it seems like a lot of times when Trubisky's throwing two, the guys are always having to come back to the ball. And he rarely, rarely have I seen him, at least tonight, I uh, really hit a guy in stride, have him kind of heading upfield. Like when every time Robinson caught the ball, his back's to like, you know, the end zone where he's supposed to be heading towards. And he has to turn around. And so again, that's all part of the scheme, but eventually you want to see guys who hit them in stride where they're running either vertical or even a little bit horizontal who can just kind of turn up the field instead of to have to make an instant move where they have their back to the defender every single time. But that's nitpicky. And overall, I'm very pleased with what I saw from the rookie besides the two on the rookie. I mean, rookie technically well, in terms of... He hasn't played all 16 games yet, so... That's right, but <laughs> second year in the league, so we'll go with that. But uh, no, overall, very pleased with uh, what we saw. And I think for him to come back for with adversity, right? Throw those two interceptions in a row and then come back, settle down, um, mount another scoring drive, one that was desperately needed at the time. And then, yeah, I mean, we saw growth, like Nick said, like you, Brandon, you mentioned as well. So for me, uh, Trubisky's trending in the right direction. Definitely uh, his second half this week was better than the second half a week ago. And that's progress. And we will table this until later. And let's go ahead over to uh, his targets. I want to know, besides Allen Robinson already mentioned, uh, who stood out to you and why? And let's go to B. I would say Taylor Gabriel for more reasons than just receiving. Because, uh, I mean, we've seen him run a handful of jet sweeps in this one, which is different. I wouldn't expect to run that many. I think they ran four uh, with him throughout the game. Uh, but really, even as a receiver, I mean, he was targeted seven times. Uh, we already talked about the one that, I mean, he was a wide open down the seam and Trubisky missed him. Uh, but he's just a very viable option. And I think that Trubisky's comfortable with it. He just needs to be able to find him deeper down the field. And that's the one that he missed. But Taylor Gabriel is a guy that stood out just because, I mean, second on the team in receptions after, I mean, it's tough to top 10 with Allen Robinson, but he's second on the team there with four for 30 yards. Uh, his longest was only nine yards. So I think if he can find a way to get Gabriel and in more intermediate routes, uh, longer routes, then he's really going to be able to take the top off this, this defense. And the offense is really going to open up a lot more than we've already seen it. Yeah, it was interesting having him line up as a running back. Tariq Cohen's out there in a the slot. They had uh, they had some uh, other wrinkles up their sleeve that we haven't seen yet, so it was pretty interesting to see. But yeah, Gabriel for the day, uh, between what he was able to do on the ground and through the air, 47 total yards. Uh, I mean, for someone in Taylor Gabriel's capacity where we didn't expect you know wide receiver two numbers out of him, I think that's a very solid role for him to kind of fill in this offense. But Nick, over to you. Uh, who do you want to bring up? You know, I'm very surprised that I'm actually going to bring up this name, but... Jordan Howard, uh, this is a guy that we all had questions about with him and his hands. But, man, he has looked good so far when catching the football. That one where I think it was uh, Kendrick, just someone diving for the football where it looked like yeah. it was going to be an interception. Howard catches that. I know that Jordan Howard from last year isn't catching that ball, but he really has put the time and effort to be a better pass catcher. And he was second in the team in receiving yards with 33 yards. It was only three receptions, but he's a rely- he- He's someone that Trubisky can rely on in the backfield. And honestly, coming to the season, I didn't think Howard would be able to do that. But we saw him at Bourbon A put the time and effort just after practice, before practice, just catching the balls from the jug machine, from coaches. And it's playing dividends now, you know, to through two games of the season. Obviously, he hasn't had big yards in, you know, in the receiving game, but at least he's catching the ball, which is progress again. Yeah, more progress, uh, definitely. And let's look over at Trey Burton because last week he had six targets, was only able to, haul, able to haul in one. Tonight he had four targets, was able to catch all three, only 20 yards. But 
at least he was a little bit more efficient with the balls that went his way. My one concern was that at halftime, he only had one target, and that was that little shovel pass for the touchdown. And for someone like Trey Burton, who they brought in on a bigger contract, someone who's still unproven, uh, I know it's only two weeks, but I'm hoping to see a little bit more of a bigger impact moving forward. Nick, I want to know, why do you think Burton hasn't been able to make an impact yet? Yeah, that's an interesting one, and maybe it has to do with the play calling because like we were just talking about earlier, a lot of these plays for the Bears and these receivers, it's really short routes. They're, they're running curls or running outs or running slants. Nothing's really going vertically up the field. Not a lot of big, long plays, and I think that's where Trey Burden utilizing his speed and just his route running ability can definitely attack a defense that way, but we really haven't seen that kind of play calling uh, just been called lately, but I think Trey Burton's still capable of, you know, running all these shorter routes and is a great route runner, you know, between, uh, you know, the first 10 yards. So it's interesting to me that, you know, Trey Burton has had this slow start of a season with the receptions wise, but that's going to, it has to pick up. He's too good of a player. I think too good of a route runner, a good pass catcher and not, you know, be successful in this offense. That's catered to the tight ends. Yeah. And oddly enough, we didn't see anything else from any other tight ends and all the talk throughout training camp preseason was all these weapons they have at tight ends. And we had them all active today. Besides Shaheen, we had Sims, we had uh, Burton, we had Broniker and we had Daniel Brown. And then the only one you see here on the stat sheet is going to be, of course, uh, Trey Burton with those uh, four catches, 20 yards. So a little interested, uh, interested on why the bears didn't want to deploy more tight end sets this week. I mean, Obviously, maybe the Deion Sims thing is okay to kind of avoid, but the other guys like Bronick or Daniel Brown, who can be guys who can go out there, get overlooked, but still find a way to come up with some decent you know, plays underneath. So it's okay. I mean, again, I'm not going to complain, but I'm just kind of pointing it out that that was a little bit of a surprise for me. Uh, Brandon, over to you. Anyone else that you want to mention here? I think in general, when it comes to the receivers, uh, since you talked about Trubisky only averaging uh, what was it, 5.1 yards per pass or 5.9, something like that. Uh, I think if they're not the first or second option, like I just don't think he's comfortable enough to keep checking guys down, and I think that's where kind of Trey Burton falls uh, because Allen Robinson, 14 targets, I mean, that tells me he's kind of the first option on a lot of these intermediate routes, like real quickly. So if it's not there and it's not the second route, that's I think when we see Trubisky kind of get the happy feet because his, his internal clock's going off, and it's going a little quicker than it should be. So, again, something needs to improve on. But as far as receivers go and Trey Burton's kind of slow production in the first two weeks, I mean, I wouldn't be 100% worried about it uh, because he may not be the first read or even the second read. Uh, and Trubisky's got to be able to find a way to slow the game down a little bit, not play it so fast. You know, as much as I'd love to see him continue to be aggressive, he just needs to be able to, to slow it down a little bit, see if he can find the third option, which may be Trey Burton on some of these plays. Yeah. Uh, Nick, uh, I know that uh, Anthony Miller getting a touchdown tonight definitely put a smile on your face. He ran a really sick route to get open in the corner of the end zone. Uh, do you expect more of that going forward? I think so. I think Anthony Miller, just being that great route runner, he's going to have more opportunities come his way. I mean, that route was just, as soon as it happened, I just, I always like just say, man, that's just nasty how you set up a defender like that and get wide open. But he's too good of a player not to get the ball. And again, there's a lot of players like that in this offense, but. Again, I think it's going to, as the season goes on, Matt Nagy is going to get more comfortable with what Trubisky is comfortable with. And I think that's going to come with production for more of these guys, maybe like with Trey Burr and Anthony Miller. But I definitely expect him to be more um, just on the field. I thought he wasn't there enough. But again, there's a lot of playmakers on this offense. A guy that we didn't see, or we did see once, I, Kevin White, right? I mean, he, he was on there for like the the blocking play. 
for for Josh Bellamy. Josh yeah. Bellamy got a catch before Kevin White, which is really strange. I don't know if we were going to receivers, but we're kind of talking about the targets right now. Um, that could have been a bold prediction. Who gets a yeah. catch first? <laughs> Josh Bellamy. But yeah, uh, I think just uh, just a stick on Kevin White real quick to kind of get this out of my system. I think he's just kind of again forgotten in this offense with all the other playmakers, and which is. Yeah, sad to see, but right now, I don't know. We just don't know what Kevin White really brings to his team. And when he's out there blocking for a Josh Bellamy, I think that kind of shows you where he is on like the depth chart and where he's supposed to fit in this offense. No, you're exactly right. We don't know, but I think the Bears do. And I think the fact mm-hmm. that in the past two games he's rarely been out there, I doubt they're hiding him for something later. That wouldn't make any sense at all. So I think it's just uh, you know kind of case in point of where the Bears kind of peg him right now. And you have to even wonder if, say, someone needs to step up, would the next guy even be Javon Wims? Because I don't even know if it would be you know, Kevin White in terms of that bigger body guy. So we'll talk about uh, that another day. But real quickly, uh, uh, Nagy, he's at the podium, and he mentioned that he saw Trubisky improve uh, his footwork uh, and keeping his eyes up from week one, week two, which I can agree with the uh, you know with both of those. I think we saw improvement there. And uh, I like this quote that uh, Rich Campbell tweeted out. It says, this is going to be fun. I'm excited for a future together. So obviously, uh, you know, Nagy saw some things today that he was uh, he's pr- proud about and excited for about the future. And of course, like we mentioned, progress. So I, I'm excited that coach is excited. And real quick, I know I talked about Robinson earlier, but I wanted to get your guys' take because they had a huge game. Brandon, you mentioned it, but uh, what about you, Nick? Did you uh, expect such a big performance out of him? Ten catches? No, not really. And honestly, I thought Allen Robinson would have a pretty slow start to the season. I thought Trey Burton would be the guy they go to, but... Allen Robinson, that that ACL injury, it seems like it's just in the past. He's able to make cuts, and he's running these shorter routes where you know it takes this precise route running, this this cutting on the field. And Soldier Field, we all know, is not the best place to you know make a cut on. But Allen Robinson was in and out of his cuts, just getting open, being that reliable target for Mitch Trubisky. I did not expect him to have the game that he did. Uh, obviously, these are shorter yardage plays, and you want to see him again stretch the field vertically. But I'm happy to see him being this productive early on in the season. That's good signs for the Bears and, you know, the money that they paid him moving forward to be the number one target for Mitch Trubisky. Any final thoughts, B, in terms of uh, the passing game in general? Yeah, it was real nice to hear Nick say, you know, Allen Robinson had that ACL injury. It's like a thing in the past now because it felt like, you know, for the first few years we're doing this podcast, we never would ever get over that statement. Like, oh, he's injured. Uh He's never going to be the same player again. So it was real nice to hear uh, Nick say that because I agree. It is something that I think is is past him for the moment. Uh, I mean, really just the receivers in general, very, very solid game, very reliable, especially Allen Robinson. I think we've seen uh, Trubisky's comfort spot with him in this one with the, the 14 targets. So I think this is going to a uh, trend that we continue to see is how often does Allen Robinson get the ball? Yeah, I'm excited to find out. Obviously, it picked up from week one to week two. Uh, next week against the Cardinals, you better believe they uh, they know that uh, Trubisky likes to favor number 12 and they're going to try to take him out of the game. So how does he adapt is something that we can talk about throughout the week. But guys, let's go ahead and transition to the Bears running game. As a team, they did put up 86 yards. But like you guys mentioned already, Jordan Howard, 14 carries, 35 yards. Not the not the best day, um, but he also really didn't get much of an opportunity to really establish the run tonight. So let's go over to Brandon because uh, you're Mr. Trenches, and I'm sure you have a good reason why the Bears were unable to generate much of anything when they were pounding the rock. Uh, I just kind of point out one blocker uh, was Deion Sims, and this isn't even in on a on a running play. This was a passing play. I think it was one of Trubisky's sacks that he was left one on one. I think with Kenny Clark and. 
he gives up the sack. So Deion Sims, still not exactly the best blocker out there on the team. Didn't really see him too much out there uh, making much of it, an impact in the blocking, uh, the run blocking game. Uh, but I think it's just hard when they're not in a rhythm uh, because the running was really sporadic. There wasn't really much of a time where they would run first down, second down, third down. It was pass on first down, maybe a run on second down, and maybe a run on third down depending on the situation. And even then, a lot of the runs are bouncing outside. A lot of Tariq Cohen uh, bouncing outside. I mean, I guess he only had four carries for eight yards, not a whole lot, but we've seen a few jet sweeps as well. So they're really running east and west before they go north and south, which is where we know that Jordan Howard uh, – is at his best when he just runs straight up the middle uh, between the tackles. So I think that that's something that uh, really hindered them as far as getting a rhythm going. Because once they get in the rhythm, I mean, Jordan Howard gets better as the game goes on, and he just didn't have that opportunity really uh, with so many passing uh, plays early, especially in drives on first down like Nick talked about. So I think it was really just uh, struggling to find a rhythm uh, for him just with the running game being so sporadic in the play calling. Yeah, and I actually finally went back and compiled the stats here. The Bears are eight and two when Jordan Howard has twenty plus carries. I'm glad that nice. uh, you know we won despite the fact that he had the fourteen. Um, but Nick, uh, Seattle last week they gave up over 140 yards on the ground. I really thought uh, that Chicago would find a way to kind of you know jam the ball down their throat, especially with Bobby Wagner out. How come they weren't able to do it? Does it all just come back down to uh, you know sticking with it? I think so. And a big thing, remember, Adam, on the the Seahawks podcast, the guest podcast that we had, they they said that they like to attack the edges. That's where and we saw a lot of that with the rushing game, a lot of those jet sweeps trying to get around to the edge and, you know, just using that speed. And I think you just got to give credit to the Seahawks, even though they were undermanned and uh, they didn't have all their playmakers. They still were able to stop the run effectively. And I thought, you know, if the Seahawks did that, they'd be in a good position to maybe be around in this ballgame. They were for a little bit, but. Yeah, I think you just got to credit the Seahawks just having a good game plan. That's Pete Carroll defense, even though it doesn't have the Legion of Boom and a lot of the playmakers that they did have. They just played a stout game up front. And I I mean, maybe that's transition to the offensive line. But uh, yeah, again, one, they just didn't commit to it long enough to sustain any kind of drives, any kind of rhythm. For Jordan Howard, you know, as the game goes on, he gets better. But it really didn't get going for him to get better late, you know. So that's, I think, the I guess my analysis for why the, the running game didn't get going. But it's encouraging that the Bears were able to win despite not having much of a running game. I want to add real quick, too. Uh, Nick, you talked about how Adam said, you know, just to attack the edges. I think the addition of Michael Kendricks at linebacker there uh, for them, he's a little quicker. He only had three tackles, but he, he we've seen he's a quick guy. He was almost able to get that interception on the pass to Jordan Howard. So I think his speed was kind of something, too, that really limited as far what direction the Bears would run because it seemed like they only ran to the left side when they were trying to get to the edges. Yeah, yep. very true. All right, B. I need to know who stuck out on the offensive line and why. Uh, I wish I could say Bobby Massey because uh, there were times where, you know, Jordan Howard would pick up the first down. You see him walking back to line. He's like brushing his hands off like, you know, yep, job well done. Uh, except there was one play, uh, one of the sacks that was given up uh, where I don't remember who the linebacker was, but he timed it so right that Bobby Massey couldn't even move. Uh, because he already had a running head start and was able to get the Trubisky. So I wish I could say it was Massey because in the run game, he was really strong, but not so much in the in the pass blocking. But Cody Whitehair, Kyle Long, uh, two guys that really stood out to me, just were able to generate the push up front before anyone else could. We've seen Whitehair get uh, under some guy's skin a little bit. Uh, there was one play, I remember it was only like a two-yard rush, but then he keeps drawing back and forth with the defensive line, which is real nice to see. I think Kyle Long's kind of rubbing off on him. I mean, we've heard that you know Cody Whitehair can be mean down there, 
I still have a hard time leaving it, but tonight I could I could definitely see that. So Cody Whitehair uh, and Kyle Long were two guys that really stood out to me as far as guys that were generating a push. Yeah, you know, I always like to get on Bobby Massey, but you can't even really fault him for that one. He had no, no. chance. Not many tackles in the league would even get a hand on the guy. Uh, Massey didn't, just for uh, what it's worth. But <laughs> Nick, what about you? Do you have any offensive line takeaways? I have one, and I'm going to see if you get it first. Um, I mean, yeah, just uh, on that play, that was Frank Clark who got that uh, sack, and he came. Okay. That was offsides. He was offsides, I think. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I need to go back and watch the tape, the All-22, on the offensive line play because I thought, for the most part, they kept Trubisky upright, and there wasn't a lot of pressure gained to Trubisky for, for most of the game. So good job in that aspect. Um, I want to go back and specifically watch Cush in this game to see if he was uh, maybe not getting to where his blocks need to be. I don't know if he wasn't. But again, with James Daniels on the sideline, I saw him. He was by himself. They showed like an overview. Um, and James Daniels is there. And there's one other player. And he's, I don't know. He's just kind of left out at this point. I really want to see him in there. But I want to go watch the L22, see how Eric Cush played. And maybe there, I can make a case for, you know, getting Daniels in the starting lineup. Maybe you could. Maybe you can't. Stay tuned. All right. <laughs> so, guys, I have three words for you. And this is going to be my entire offensive line analysis tonight. No bad snaps. Yeah. Yep. Very true. Absolutely. I was waiting for the crickets. Were there any holding calls? I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I think... There wasn't a lot of times where the offense was actually moving backwards, like on the very first play, like a fall. I know there was, I think, one false start. I remember that happening, and I'm like, who who actually moved? But it was, uh, it was Taylor, Taylor Gabriel. Gabriel yeah. So it wasn't the offensive line. So that was encouraging to see the offensive lines. In and, they didn't you know, beat themselves. They didn't beat, the sound, beat themselves, finally. I mean, you're in your home your own home turf so i would hope he wouldn't but yeah that was encouraging to see i think the only thing i have marked down is a block in the back and that was from anthony miller so yeah very clean yeah. game those know, darn front. receivers <laughs> <laughs> rookies jeez what's he gonna like how's he gonna make up for it Did i score a touchdown later on in the game i don't know maybe maybe all right guys any final offensive thoughts i know we've kind of uh you know taken our time with it um but the thing about the defenses they were so good it's like we can talk about them for a while, but also like they didn't give us a lot of sample size at the same time. So this is going to be a fun conversation coming up. But first, uh, any final thoughts about the Bears' offense tonight? And let's go to B. Yeah, we started talking about Trubisky and just progress in general. And I think that was a lot of our opening thoughts was just progress. And I hope we continue to see that going into week three. Uh, I know we, we've seen the play goal get a little bit conservative at times throughout the games, uh, but overall, very aggressive mindset. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com by Nagy and it was real nice to see despite the two interceptions one of them not entirely Trubisky's fault when he gets bad at the line but for the most part as long as we continue to see the aggressiveness amp up just a little bit more I think uh, Trubisky be a little bit more aware of the game situation know when it's okay to be aggressive when he needs to throw the ball away uh, overall progress is the word I'm going to sum up the offense in this one because I think we all can say that we all can and I'm going to make sure I don't duplicate <laughs> that but uh, let's go over to Nick here what's your offensive final thought 
Yeah, and we'll stick with Mitch Trubisky because as soon as I was talking, I was looking at the chat. They're like, Nick, what are you talking about? Calm down. Trubisky's fine. Blah, blah. <laughs> I was just giving you my honest take of what I felt. I felt a little nervous, but he really calmed that down that second half. Even though the Seahawks went and scored that touchdown, it was a three and out before that. I'm like, all right. Well, then they would go in this play. Uh, I forget how many, how long the play, the drive was, but no three, no uh, third downs were uh, seen on that drive. And Trubisky was throwing accurately, finding his targets. And again, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And yes, the people are saying you can't use that excuse anymore. He's with, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and things like that. But every quarterback's different. Every system is different. Every, you know, situation is different. So Trubisky, I have faith in him. I think he's going to make the right progression moving forward. And he's just going to get better. But we saw some things today, and he'll he'll learn from it. I think Matt Nagy and him just have that connection to where you know they're always looking at every little detail, and they'll fix those little the things that went wrong today. So hopefully, he doesn't make those mistakes moving forward. But I don't want to rip on Trubisky. I was a little concerned a little bit. I just want to state that, put that out there. I believe in him, and hopefully, you know, he just continues to progress. You're feeling the heat from the chat. <laughs> I know, man. You should have seen this. It was just bad. I'm like, man, I was just telling you how it felt. Here, I'll, ba- I'll back like you up. Do that. I'll back you up a little bit because for people who maybe this is like their first season following our post game shows, they need to know like we're gonna be, you know, as positive as possible. But when we need to call out some mistakes, some issues, we just have to do it. And nine nine, nine times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten, we're gonna find a way to put everything in a very positive perspective. But if we said that Trubisky went out there and had a perfect game, that would be laughable. I mean, it, it wasn't a perfect game, and we're not expecting perfection from you know Trubisky no. whatsoever. Um, but we need to still kind of point out the little things that he needs to improve upon, uh, point out those mistakes, because that's what we're here for. And, of course, that's what Nick did. I kind of jumped in with that as well. But, no, overall, I mean, again, it was his first ever multi-touchdown game. That's growth. That's something he hasn't been able to do. And you better believe he's relieved to have that under his belt. You better believe he's looking at what Mahomes is doing. You better believe he's looking at what Deshaun Watson's doing and, and thinking, ah, I want to do that too. I want to be up in that same category in that conversation. And he's still sitting there with uh, you know, no games with more than one touchdown. You better believe he's a prideful man. He wants to go out there and find a way to do it. He did it tonight. Now, hopefully that kind of takes the lid off of things, and now he can just go out there and get three next week. Now, I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and work his way up to six. <laughs> that would just be crazy. But remember with Mahomes, this is his second year in that system. Trubisky's only been in the same this system uh, for less than a year, so he's Couple still months. learning. Yeah, and Mahomes too. I mean, he was working with Matt Nagy last year, so if you want to talk about where he's at, look at the Bears head coach for a good reason of why uh, that's the case. But in terms of this game, real quick, final thoughts on offense, improvement in the red zone. They only were able to score a touchdown on one of their red zone trips last week against Green Bay today, two of three. The only other time they settled for the field goal, so they scored 17 points in their red zone today. They didn't leave any points on the board once they did. Uh, so for me, that's progress. Going back to Brandon's point, I try not to duplicate it, but then I did. <laughs> uh, but no, two of three, that's great. Again, uh, you don't need to be perfect down there, but when you're scoring touchdowns on 66%, of your red zone trips, that's going to that's gonna really work out uh, in the long run for this Bears offense. So for me, uh, looking at what they did on in the red zone and uh, maybe clean up third down in the second half, and then we should be in pretty good shape. All right, so up next, we're going to enter the third quarter of our show and break down the Bears' defense. But first, I just want to kind of acknowledge a fact here that the Bears, after two weeks, are leading the NFL in sacks with 10. Vic nice. Fangio's guys are uh, on, you know, leading the charge here. Ten sacks through two games. So if my math is correct, that's what? I'm more on pace for 80 sacks? Is that going to happen? I hope so. That'd be <laughs> that would be mind-boggling to say the least. Obviously, that's a very 
difficult pace uh, to keep up, but I mean, they're up there. And uh, what I like about this defense, and this is how I'm going to open up our defensive discussion, is they can tell they're having fun. For the past few years that we've been doing this podcast, you've seen glimpses of it, but overall you can see frustration. Like you're taking steps in the right direction, but either the offense doesn't help out, special teams puts you in a bad spot, or just the defense of all having a meltdown. You saw the frustration uh, with some glimmers of hope, but now they're putting together two consecutive very strong games besides the fourth quarter last week, and they're having fun. You see the smiles on their face. They're going out there, they're making plays, and it's very fun. It's very exciting to see as a fan because I have not seen a Bears defense have this kind of fun since, what, 2010, 2011 maybe? So last time since Brian Urlacher is on the field. So for this Bears defense to be going out there and not just shutting down opponents but having fun along the way, that feels like monsters of the midway football to me. And that's what I'm very excited about, uh, the future of this defense, both short-term this season and then, of course, long-term because this core group is locked here for uh, quite some time. But let's go over to Nick. Uh, what's some of your opening thoughts about this Bears defense today? You know, there's just a lot of playmakers on this defense. If you can't somehow you block Cleo Mack, which no one's been able to actually really do yet. You have a Keem Hicks on the other side and um, just a guy that can just push up the middle and is able to win double teams through triple teams. And he's just a force to be reckoned with. And then you have players like Aaron Lynch, who really showed up today, he had a lot of pressures, was able to get to the quarterback, collapse the pocket. That's what you want to see especially with a Leonard Floyd who's still you know, battling with that club, is not able to get to where he wants to be. But this defense just has playmakers. And then you see Prince of Mukamura, a guy that I've been very critical about forever now. Make a pick six. That's what you want to see from the defense. Capitalize on those the mistakes that an offense might make and you know, generate points from it because we've been seeing that. And Danny Trevathan's really the anchor of that defense, just you know, causing that sack fumble, just uh, being the leader there, calling the play. So... There's just a lot of playmaker and it's really, really fun to watch. By the way, Prince of Mukamara, uh, after the game, he said that was his first pick six, not just of his NFL career, but his entire football playing career. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uncanny timing. Definitely needed that play, but uh, that was a big one to have. But over to B, uh, defense. They played lights out. I uh, said the majority of the game, uh, second half, they, you know, they bend a little bit more. But like Nick said, the last touchdown was garbage time. Um, but overall, uh, what's your take from this Bears defense? Honestly, when we first started this game, Bears scored that touchdown, and then the defense just started getting a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson early, and it was so nice to see. And I was just so relieved. Like, I didn't feel any worry because I knew that this defense had the game in the palm of their hands, and that's where the momentum was at. And last year, after the Eddie Jackson game against Carolina, uh, where he had the outstanding game that he had, we noticed the defense, you know, trying to create more of those turnovers, trying to create more of that fun that you were talking about, Will. And now with Cleo Mack, he, he has the potential to bring that on every defensive series. And that brings up the energy level for the rest of the guys because they want to get in there and get in on that fun. They want to be able to celebrate those kinds of things. So really, Cleo Mack, I mean, we've seen Vic Fangio's defense be good and solid. Uh, but with Cleo Mack, I mean, this this defense is at a, a different level. I would say, you know, I haven't felt this comfortable with the Bears defense since Erlacher was on the field. And just uh, Cleo Mack brings that. And I'm, I can't – I'm just so thankful that he's here in Chicago because I – I really don't know what other word to say than Cleo Mack brings just so much more to this team, to this defense, uh, than what we've seen in years past under Fangio, who's had really good defenses. So I'm really excited to see what the rest of the year has to bring. 
I think something you just said jogged my memory of our podcast uh, right after we found out the news about Khalil Mack. And Brandon, you were mentioning this. Uh, he's a guy who's going to go out there and set high expectations for himself and this team. And you talked about it creating competition within this unit, right? You talked about yep. Yep. how you know they'll go out there and Khalil Mack's going to make a play, and they're going to be like, oh, who can get the most? You know, who can get the most sacks? Who can get the most interceptions? Who can force the most fumbles? Those kind of things. And even if they're not like official competitions, you know, in their mind, you know, when you see Khalil Mack just do what he does. And I mean, it's nothing short of phenomenal, right? You know, the right. sacks, the strips, uh, of course, all the pressures that he puts on, just dominating offensive linemen with one hand. It really kind of gets those guys motivated. Like, well, if he can do that, then I want to show him what I can do. I want to make him proud because you better believe that uh, Khalil Mack coming here to Chicago, they want to show him like, hey, you're not going to be surrounded by uh, you know a group of lackluster guys. We can get the job done as well, and we can make everybody better. And I think that's what we're seeing here in Chicago because Khalil Mack setting up his team, his front seven uh, for more success. You can even see Vic Fangio being a little bit more creative, a little bit more aggressive than we have in years past. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And like we said, the Bears are leading the NFL after two weeks with 10 sacks. Uh, so, And uh, you know what? We've had a defensive touchdown in back-to-back games as well. I mean, what's the last time that we saw that here in Chicago? It's been quite some time. So the Bears defense, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm happy I picked them up in our fantasy league when we drafted this older field <laughs> uh, because they have turned out to be quite, uh, you know, the underdog here in terms of uh, picks. But guys, uh, in terms of this defense, I want to know, and Nick, I don't want to get negative real quick, but I'm sure you have a good take here. Um, what's the difference of when this Bears defense is, you know, shutting teams down, coming up with three and outs? Which, by the way, today the Bears defense forced three, three, uh, three, six, three and outs throughout the entirety of the game. So, what's the difference between that defense and then the defense that we saw in the fourth quarter of last week, and then a little bit here in the second half where uh, they're allowing the offenses to just kind of drive without much resistance? What's the difference? You know, I think it's just actually finishing plays, whether that's, you know, uh, maybe Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks just finishing their bull rush move to get to the quarterback or, you know, Prince of Mukamara just breaking on the ball to cause a pick six or someone just going out in the flats to make a tackle. It's those kind of plays that really, you know, distance you from a good defense to a great defense. And at time, you know, I thought the Bears, they gave up that touchdown drive to the Seattle Seahawks. And you're like, oh, man, is this going to happen again? But then you see Danny Trevathan end the game basically with that sack fumble. You see guys making plays, and that was the biggest difference. We didn't see that against the second half against Green Bay where there were big plays given up. Uh, The Bears defense just went and just won the game for the Bears, basically, essentially. So I think that's the biggest difference. And you saw guys just corralling to the ball regardless. I think Khalil Mack on one play, this was towards uh, the fourth quarter, where Khalil Mack's on the opposite side. And nobody's getting to this running back. But Khalil Mack runs all the way from the other side, makes a tackle. And you just know that if when he's doing that, other players are seeing that, seeing the effort on every play, even though it's the opposite side. That's what makes a defense great and makes it one where it can close out a game. Just utilizing all your playmakers and just finishing plays each and every down. What I love is that this defense is, it reminds me a lot of the 0506, you know, that era defense. Yes. Of how it. Yes, I thought the same thing throughout this game. Like, man, this just feels so right. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's been quite some time. I mean, you know, 12-year-old me is coming out like, oh, my gosh, like the, the flashbacks. But those offenses, and we know those offenses had some issues, right? And not only were they unable to move the ball, but some turnovers. Uh, it's always, it was always an issue. But the Bears' defense, 
wouldn't let that deter them. They wouldn't let that impact the game. And we saw that today because Trubisky threw interceptions, you know, in back-to-back drives. But in the ensuing Seattle Seahawks drives, uh, they had, they ran a total of six plays, and they had a grand total of negative 13 yards. So the Bears' defense, despite the fact that Trubisky threw those two interceptions, they told themselves, you know, and I think Khalil Mack actually said it on the mic'd up when uh, they were going out. He was like, don't worry, we got you, we got you. And they went out there and shut him down, kept all the momentum away from Seattle because if you – uh, after an interception, allow Seattle to march down the field and put up points. All the momentum swifts, you know, shifts into their favor. But the Bears' defense put the matters in their own hands, and despite the offense uh, turning the ball over on back-to-back drives, they shut down Seattle's offense and said, no, you're still not going to score on us. We don't care. We don't care if our quarterback is throwing interceptions. We're still going to shut you down, and we're not going to let you score points. That's exactly what the Bears' defense did in 2005, 2006. And we saw that tonight, and that's why the Bears came away with the victory because on either of those drives – I have a hunch if we would have give up seven, even three points, this game could have gone in a totally different direction because some doubt would have started creeping in uh, for both sides of the ball. But instead, uh, the defense, of course, kept their momentum. They kept their confidence, but the offense had a confidence. Like, if we do make a mistake, the defense is going to help us out, something that we haven't seen here in Chicago in quite some time. So for me, uh, that's something I was very excited to see. I'm not excited to see the interceptions, but I'm excited to see uh, how the defense responds to those situations. They did a great job again. Negative 13 yards, six plays, two back-to-back, uh, three and outs forced. Really good stuff there. Any other things you want to mention about the general defense before we break down the actual positions? Because they did so much today that we can talk about. I think that them not being on the field for the majority of the game helps. Because uh, I'm looking yes. at the time of possession. Seattle had the ball for 25 minutes and 36 seconds. Chicago had it for 34 minutes and 24 seconds. That's the complimentary football that we've been talking about. Keep the defense fresh, long sustained drives by the offense, you know, provides rest and really good energy uh, for the defense to get back out there and stop Russell Wilson. I think that that played a huge role in this one as well because they were able to stay fresh. So complimentary football at its finest in this one, I think. Yeah, we saw that too. At one point uh, early on in the game, I actually used the hashtag complimentary football because why the hell not? But uh, the Bears <laughs> offense went down there and scored. Bears defense uh, forced the three and out right out of the very first touchdown in the game. Three Cohen returns with that, you know, big time punt returns. All three phases just helped each other out. Now the Bears offense didn't, you know, capitalize and put up points. Um, but for at least three consecutive series, uh, either it be the offense's long drive, the defense forcing a quick, you know, three and out to get the ball back in the offense's hands, and Tariq Cohen putting the offense in a prime position. Uh, just those three, those three things in a row. Um, and it, we had that in the first half of last week. So if they can find a way to sustain that just a little bit more, this can be a very dangerous team. They just need to capitalize on those opportunities. But complimentary football is something that we're definitely seeing here in Chicago. And like everything else, we haven't. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Seen it in a while, so it's a little bit new to our eyes, but it's definitely uh, a sight to see. And real quickly here, uh, Zach Pearson tweeted out that the Bears have allowed just one 100-yard rusher in the last 20 games. So the Bears, as Nick said, oh, Jesus, right. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on, a nice tally to kind of keep in the forefront of our minds throughout the season. Um, But, Nick, I know before Brandon chimed in, it seemed like you had something else you wanted to mention. 
I was just going to say, I like, really like from Vic Fangio's defense. It's, I think it's a little bit more aggressive than years past. We're seeing these blitzes on third down situations where in the past, Vic Fangio would just drop back in coverage and have maybe what his four guys, his two uh, defensive linemen, two outside linebackers, just go after the quarterback and just drop everyone else in coverage. Now he's bringing the heat. And when you have Khalil Mack on one side and you can bring like a Bryce Callahan or a Sherrick McMaster, these kind of these DBs coming in, that really, you know, makes a decision making for a quarterback go a lot faster quicker can make an interception happen but I really like that he's more aggressive this year now that he has the right players in place because again it was back in San Francisco where he had Patrick Willis Navarro Bowman like those kind of guys and the guys up front to where he can really play his best defense and now he has that in Chicago so it's fun to fun to see and fun to watch a lot of fun here on the Chicago Bears defense guys let's go ahead and begin our positional breakdown and let's begin with defensive line uh, lots to get to, just like I mentioned a few minutes ago. I mean, you can talk Eddie Goldman, you can talk Akeem Hicks, Roy Robinson Harris, John Bullard, Bilal Nichols even stepped in uh, as well. So that entire unit was playing uh, pretty well, and they rotated in uh, fairly often, so it allowed them to kind of stay fresh throughout this game. But uh, it'd be kind of wrong if I didn't hand it to Mr. Trenches first. So where do you want to begin this discussion? Kind of disappointed you stole my thunder. I was going to say, we've seen Blau Nichols out there today, and he had a tackle, which was cool. Uh, so good for him to get out there. Another first, I guess, we can include in the stat of the game. Uh, but really just I'm looking at the front stud as a whole before I get into the trenches. At 39, I counted total tackles of the 54 in this game came from the front seven, which is really nice because that means that everything, you know, they're going downhill, keeping everything in front of them, which is really cool uh, to see. So I, Akeem Hicks, uh, Roy Robinson-Harris uh, both had three tackles on the game. Uh, on the game. Uh, Ray Robertson Harris, it, he was quieter in this one uh, than I thought he would be. After he had the, the bigger game in Green Bay, I thought we'd see him step up a little bit more in this one. Uh, but it was John Bullard that ended up stealing Thunder. I think he only had a couple tackles, but one of them was a big tackle for a loss uh, on Carson there uh, running to his side. He was able to blow that one up, which was nice. Nice to see him be able to make an impact in this one. But I thought it'd be Ray Robertson Harris that would again have a back-to-back uh, solid games after the Green Bay game. I thought he'd have a bigger impact in this one, but it wasn't really needed. So, You mentioned yeah. a good point about the front seven having the vast majority of the tackles because the guys, you know, we've been doing this show now for a few years. How many times, in, and I don't need an exact number, but you know it was a lot where we saw the leading tacklers for the Bears be the safeties, either Eddie Jackson, yes. Adrian Amos, you know, week in, week out, which, you know, we kind of showed like, you know, the weakness up front, especially with some of the linebackers. So, yeah, to have Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack be your top three tacklers, that's exactly what you want from this Bears defense. That thing that means things are going exactly according to plan, and you're getting the job done. You're making uh, the offense have to earn everything uh, instead of having your safeties having to come up and run support, which, of course, makes everyone's job just a little bit easier. But what about you, Nick, in terms of the defensive line? Uh, again, I think everyone kind of gl- uh, flashed at one point or another, but uh, who do you want to bring up? You know, I think this defensive line just goes from good to great when Eddie Goldman is able to just penetrate and not just be the run stuffer that he is. And that's what he's paid to be. And he's great at that job. But when he's able to get pressure up the middle and actually get to the quarterback like he did on Russell Wilson, a very athletic quarterback and able to get those sacks and just generate that force up the middle alongside Akeem Hicks. That changed the whole dynamic of, of this defense, along with a Khalil Mack on the edge there, because Eddie Goldman's primary job, again, make sure no one gets in those running lanes. And he does a very good job of that. But when he's able to step up his game even more and get generate that pressure, this defensive line just becomes scary. Anywhere you look, you, there can be a defender in the quarterback's face. But Eddie Goldman, great player, and you know, obviously he had a sack today. We haven't seen 
much of that the past couple of seasons. I think it was his rookie year where he had four and a half or something like that. But yeah, Eddie Goldman just makes his defensive line go to another level when he's able to do that. Yeah, when he had that sack, uh, you know, against Seattle's own goal line, that was uh that was really nice. I mean, he got there in a hurry. He's his closing speed for a big guy, it's uh it's a little underrated. So when he can get in there and break free, I mean, I think Russell Wilson I uh, thought he had at least another split second, and then there you go. There's Eddie right in his face. Um, but okay, so Keem Hicks. I mean, he's a given each and every week, guys. I mean, he does week in, week out exactly what I you just want. Want to ask real quick go the one it. tackle for loss that he had? Did you see the swim move that he put on that center? Oh, it's it ridiculous. Nasty. Like we we could do that all game though. Just watching these Bears defenders. Like, are you kidding me? Did you just make that play again? Right. Like Cleo Mack, I think he went underneath the right tackle and makes a great tackle for like loss out of running play. You're just like, this is amazing to watch. Just the plays that these defenders can just make consistently throughout a game. Yeah. No, it's insane. Like Cleo Mack. Well, again, we haven't got the outside linebackers yet, but not just the moves he has, but like the pure strength. We saw it week last week. We saw it again this week. Uh, how he can walk back a tackle with one arm. Like he doesn't even need two hands on the guy. Just one extends it, just walks him right back into the quarterback. It's insane. It's uh, that's why the Bears made a big move to go ahead and get this guy. Um, but I want to kind of bring up both John Bullard and Roy Robson Harris because Bullard today. Uh, he had the two tackles, one for a loss. He did also draw a hold, which might go a little bit underrated because it's not something big on the stat sheet. Um, but that was right before, of course, uh, Goldman sack, but really forced Seattle deep in their own territory. And they weren't able to uh, recover because any time you have a holding penalty, as we know here in Chicago, it makes it very hard to kind of get back ahead of the sticks and kind of convert on those long third downs. So drawing a hold, sometimes it's just as good as a sack. The only difference is, of course, you don't lose a down. Uh, Roy Robson-Harris, uh, he had the three tackle today. Uh, a couple times I saw him really strong against the run, kind of getting in there fired up. And I think both of these combined would be a very solid opposite defensive end from Akeem Hicks, right? Like combined, they would have what five tackles, one for a loss today, and drawing a hold. I mean, that's solid. That's that gets the job done. That's more than we saw from like a Mitch Unrein uh, for the past couple of years. So maybe our perspective throughout the training camp, the preseason, where we really wanted one guy to you know really beat the other one, maybe it's okay to have these guys kind of be both middle of the road ish, but combined kind of be a very well-rounded player when they're out there. Just kind of my thought. Do you guys agree on that? It's complimentary football. Like you guys were talking hey. earlier. That's exactly <laughs> what it is between those two. And we always made it a competition. Oh, this guy needs to outperform him. But if they can both put up those numbers, you know, obviously it's going to fluctuate throughout the season. But if you can see these guys do that on a somewhat of a consistent basis, that's what you want from your guy. He's not going to be, Someone who uh, I guess goes out and is going to do what Akeem Hicks does on a consistent basis, but you get that those kind of numbers from Jonathan Bullard, Roy Robinson, Harris. I'm definitely fine with that. All yeah, right, I'm on board with that one, especially because you know talked about complimentary football. They're contrasting players as well. Like Roy Robinson, Harris lets the game come to him a little bit more. John Bullard, we know he's got that explosive speed off the snap, and he's going to want to be able to go make a play. So I think those two complement each other nicely, uh, despite being contrasting type of players. I guess. Yeah, no, it all makes perfect sense. I'm glad you guys kind of saw it the same way that I did. But let's go ahead and move to the linebacker, and let's go ahead and start on the outside first, and then we'll kind of get on Roquan Smith's uh, first career start. Um, but let's go ahead. Uh, we talked about Cleo Mack, you know, in you know, in length, which for all good reason, uh, for everything that we've already kind of mentioned, but just so fast. He can pinch down the pocket, really collapse it from the outside, really enables people um, for either the opposite side or coming in the middle to just kind of get the job done even when he can't. Um, but just everything that you saw, just pure domination from Khalil Mack. But I want to know, Leonard Floyd, Sam Macho, Aaron Lynch, 
what were your takeaways from the other guys? I think out of those three, Sam Macho is the most quiet. Um, but let's go to Nick first. What do you got? Um, I would almost say that Leonard Flo is the most quiet. Um, I know Leonard Flo is out there, but he's the the thing is with the club, he's trying to do the swim move every single time over the the left tackle and it's just not working. He's not able to use his hands to win that one-on-one battle. And I think that's really playing a detriment to, you know, his game. And I think once that cast comes off, then you'll see the real Leonard Floyd. This is not him right now. And yes, he, you want to see him be able to win these one-on-one matches because he was a former first round pick and supposed to be like this double digit sack guy for the bears this season. But I think that club is really affecting his play. Um, you know, Sam Macho, a guy that, uh, yeah, he was quiet, but I would just have to give it to Leonard Floyd just because of the status he has on this team and what he's expected to do. But like like we mentioned earlier, Aaron Lynch is a guy that really impressed me. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I apologize. Last week you kind of mentioned Aaron Lynch was, you know, he had a couple of glimpses and you're expecting him to take a step this week. I didn't believe it. And, I, and again, you, you you proved me right there because uh, Aaron Lynch today, uh, he came to play. What did you like from uh, his performance? He's underratedly strong. I don't know if underratedly is a word, but I just used it. <laughs> it um, but, I mean, we talked about how Cleo Mack can move tackles with one arm. And it takes Aaron Lynch, too. But once he gets both hands on him and bull rushes, I mean, that tackle, I don't want to say doesn't stand a chance, but he's getting knocked back a few steps. And he may not be able to have – he doesn't have the next move, I don't think, after that to be able to get to the quarterback. But he's quick, though. So once he gets the bull rush, pushes the tackle back. He's got a lot more room to operate and use his speed. So that's something that I really like about his game and something I think is he's really flown under the radar. I mean, mostly because he hasn't shown up in the offseason training camp. Uh, so we really didn't know what he had, and I think that he's going to be able to continue to progress since that's the word we've been using in this one. Uh, he's a surprising player. I didn't think he'd have this kind of turnout in this one, though. Yeah, I mean, he had the sack. He had a tackle for a loss. Uh, and that tackle for a loss, too, he uh... – lined up in the middle of the field, and then he kind of went in. Uh, he kind of got popped back a little bit, um, but then the ball went to his left, and he was able to sniff it out, you know, shed a block, and able to make the play, which, you know, for a guy who I had no idea what to expect, it was a pretty nice play. But, uh, Nick, did it seem like you were trying to chime in? No, no, I actually was. I'm just reading this chat as it goes along. A lot of myth chat going on right now, but we'll, we'll leave that there. All right, so then I'm going to go with you with a question then to kind of keep this conversation of flowing. Uh, what's your take in terms of the Bears' confidence in uh, the reserves in this rotation? Because even though we didn't have Fitz or uh, Isaiah Irving, both were inactive today, um, I did see a couple of times on third down where they were allowing Sam Macho and uh, who else was out there? Uh, I know the play that, yeah. So, yeah, so they're both out there on third down. Yeah, I'm glad my notes are actually open up to that specific play. No Mac on third down, but the Bears ran a stunt. We're able to pressure Russell Wilson, get off the field three and out. So I think what the Bears need to do when Cleo Mack's not out there in terms of their pass rushes to get, you know, get home to the quarterback, especially with Leonard Floyd still dealing with his broken hand in that club, they just need to be creative on the defensive side, and that's running the stunts, and that's why Vic Fangio was so uh, productive and successful early on without a Cleo Mack. He was able to, you know, put his defensive players in positions to succeed by running these stunts, by bringing a blitzer off the edge or bring that DB down. So I am confident in the position itself just because Vic Fangio is the coach and he's going to put his guys in positions to make plays. So, like I said, no Mac was on third down, but the Bears still got off the field despite having a Aaron Lynch and a Sam Macho at the outside linebacker position. They were still able to generate pressure. And that's what you want to see because Cleo Mack. Is not going to be on the field every single play. He's not going to cause pressure every single play. So you have to have these other guys be able to step up when their number is called. Yeah, you no, know, it's really nice to have like those guys be our, 
you know, like reserves to come in in the rotation and not having to be the guys who we thought, especially after Leonard Floyd went down with an injury, potentially starting, you know, having it be Acho, having it be Lynch. So for them to be uh, coming in and still be effective is a good sign for the Bears. And if you don't need Khalil Mack on third down, which I know nine times out of ten you do want him on the field in that situation, but if you can still get the job done without him, it's going to just bode well for the long-term, uh, you know, impact of this Bears defense because you can keep him a little bit more fresh, add a few more wrinkles in along the way. So it's definitely not a bad thing if you can get the job done despite uh, Cleo Mack taking a breather on the sidelines. But uh, let's go ahead and jump inside here. Uh, Danny Trevathan, he had a forced fumble. He had he led the team with eight total tackles, uh, two sacks, and a tackle for loss today. Danny Trevathan putting in the work. B, why was he able to be so successful? Cleo Mack. <laughs> yeah, we're not I mean, wrong. He, I mean, when they have to think about him going against their weakest tackle, I mean, they're not going to put so much pressure on the on the inside guys because why are the inside middle linebackers blitzing? Like we've seen Fangio do it more and more throughout you know his time here in Chicago. It wasn't something that we've seen a lot of when he first came. But now that he's getting some of these guys that are quicker, can play downhill uh, faster, I guess, uh, from the inside position. That's why Danny Trevathan was able to succeed because. There's all these guys on the defensive line that we already touched on. Khalil Mack, Aaron Lynch, Leonard Floyd, whoever's going to be on the opposite side. Now you're out of room for for guys to block. I mean, you can't double-team everybody. So that opened up the door for Danny Trevathan in this one. He's a lot more athletic of a guy that's going to be able to chase down a Russell Wilson. That's why he's able to get those two sacks and the forced fumble that was big at the end of the game there. Vic Fangio, real quick, uh, a quote on Khalil Mack. He challenges you quietly. He has his own little swag about him. That Italian mafia, mafia kind of swag to him, but I love it. I love it. Vic Fangio <laughs> using the word "love" is nothing. I don't. I don't, think, think, I don't think. I don't think we've ever heard that. Nope. And I still haven't heard it. I just read it on Twitter, so I'm going to <laughs> hopefully get the audio of that, so I can actually believe it. But Nick, I want to go to you with the other inside guy, Roquan Smith. He made his first NFL start tonight. It wasn't a perfect outing, um, but still, he had um, some flashes of the potential that we all know he possesses. Uh, what's your overall take from his game today? Yeah, so when he started off, I know that he missed a tackle right away. I'm like, oh, come on, you know, Roquan, this is, you know, your first game starting. You, you see him miss a tackle. But once the game went on and, you know, defense really settled in, you saw the speed and Roquan Smith was laying. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Now some big hits, you know, just play after play. You're like, man, he's coming in with just a lot of speed, making clean hits and just making these offensive players feel it on every single play. Um, but yeah, like you said, it wasn't a perfect night. There are plays where um, he should be like in a spot where he's dropped back in coverage. And if he's, you know, maybe a little to the left, he's right there to make a play even sooner. But you see the potential there with Roquan Smith. The speed at the position just increases so much more than if Nick Kukowski was on the field. And Nick Kukowski, you know, like we said, he's a good player but he's not a Roquan Smith and you, you saw it tonight. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to what he can become, especially playing next to Danny Trevathan. Those two, once they get that chemistry down, they're, they're just such fast inside linebackers. And like Brandon was saying, Cleo Mack makes their job a lot easier because then they can just use that speed, that athleticism to just make the plays that they know how to make. 
not really thinking so much, just reacting and, you know, utilizing their athleticism to make plays. But yeah, Roquan Smith, uh, he, I think he did a really good job tonight. Yeah, I think for his very first start, uh, like you said, the, the speed was on display. He was dishing out some punishment. Uh, a couple times they sent him in on blitzes, and even though they didn't hit home, you can even see him, you know, popping the lineman, getting him off his uh, on his heels a little bit, getting some penetration in the pocket. So, no, Roquan Smith, for someone who everyone's like, oh, he's undersized, he's undersized, which we've heard all offseason long, doesn't show when he's out there on the field whatsoever. I think he... Uh, this game is not too big for him by any means, and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better, and he has some great guys around him to uh, kind of take the load off of him. So I'm sure he feels like he's in a good spot as well. B? It might have showed at one point in the game, especially oh. the garbage time touchdown is what it was, because uh, first of all, he can jump. I didn't expect him to be able to jump as high as he did. If Russell Wilson would have underthrew that ball to Tyler Lockett that put him on like the five-yard line, I mean, Roquan Smith's making a one-handed interception, I think. I mean, he, I didn't expect him to get up as high as he did. So if that ball was underthrown at all, Roquan Smith was there for, to bat it down at least. Yeah, no, I mean, the athleticism. I mean, that's a big reason why the Bears wanted to go ahead and bring him in here to Chicago. Let's go ahead and go over to secondary for the sake of time. This is going a little longer than I thought, but we're relishing a Bears victory. And I think after three wins last year, we have every damn right to do so. So uh, it's 1234. <laughs> so it's one, two, three, four, which is pretty interesting as I look up at the clock here, Eastern time. Um, but Nick, I want to go to you first about the secondary. They had an easier job today uh, due to the front seven, of course, especially in the first half with the five sacks, which is the big one, um, but all the hurries as well. Uh, Russell Wilson didn't have a lot of time to uh, let some plays develop, but still they put they gave, they gave allowed 200 yards, but overall your assessment of the secondary? You know, I thought they played well, and I think a lot of people are ripping on Kyle Fuller for the a perfect pass to Tyler Lock in the back corner of the end zone. There was no room. There was literally the only room was there was for the football to lock, go into Lockett's hands. I thought he had great coverage on the play. You can't really ask more from that. I mean, Russell Wilson's going to get his touchdown uh, eventually. And I mean, it just happened that it, it was Kyle Fuller again. And I think people are mad because Bears, you know, paid him a lot. And he, you know, dropped the interception against the Green Bay Packers and wasn't able to disrupt that pass against the Seahawks in this game. But I thought, you know, overall, they played very well. They were tight on their coverage. Prince of Mukamura was playing Prince, uh, Brandon Marshall really tough. Obviously, he had the pick six. A. Jackson showed that nice closing speed on the, the sideline. I think it was Tyler Lockett again, where Kyle Fuller is also in coverage. So, and um, Adrian Amos was able to come up and make tackles on tight ends. That's what you want to see from the secondary, especially with the time that, you know, opposing quarterbacks are getting with a Khalil Mack, you know, rushing the quarterback every single play. But, yeah, I thought they played well. I don't think people should give Kyle Fuller the, the I guess, the, the trash that he's getting just because he gave up a perfect touchdown. That's what it was. It was a really nice throw. I would say still kind of get your head turned around oh, yeah, slightly. For sure. try, to, try to track that ball a little bit, get a hand up on it. I mean, two weeks in a row, it, looked, it was honestly, if you put those two replays side by side, I mean, Fuller is pretty much in the same exact positioning that he was, which – to his credit, those both of those touchdowns that he gave up, his positioning was phenomenal. He's right there. He's right in the face of the receiver. Just needs to find a way to track that ball. But both throws too were pretty magnificent. Aaron Rodgers, well. Russell Wilson, both of the you know some of the best in the game throwing those touchdowns too. So they're gonna make plays. That's gonna happen. What about you, B? What's your takeaway from the secondary? Anyone you want to highlight? Yeah, I want to highlight Cal Fuller because they had a really good game. He only had two tackles, and that's because they didn't really throw to his side very much. And just to hop in on the the Tyler Lockett touchdown. Our reception uh, to keep it clean. Uh, he was on him like stink on crap, as I like to say. Uh, 
insert different words there for crap if you uh, if you please. But I mean, there was nothing that he could have done uh, to defend it. That's just a great pass by a great quarterback. So you got to tip your cap to Russell Wilson on that one. Uh, but Prince of Mukamara, I wanted to rip my hair out on that touchdown that he gave up. Well, not the touchdown he gave up. He had the illegal touching down field, which was the flag which ended up leading uh, Seattle to make it 17-10. I'm like, yeah, that's the one penalty that he's going to get every game. Mm-hmm. You know, you can count on Prince to get a penalty somewhere, and it just happened to be at a point where the momentum was kind of starting to shift towards Seattle's way. And then he comes back with that pick six. And I, I jumped out of my seat. Oh, yeah. I, I had to put my laptop my laptop down first, and then I jumped out of my seat because uh, I needed it for the show tonight, obviously. But I, that made me really excited. That was the, like you said, that was the monster moment of the game, and it was very well-deserving because that really sealed the deal uh, for the Bears in this one and just adding to the contagiousness of being able to make a play. Prince Mukamara knew that a play had to be made, and he read Russell Wilson perfectly because he stared down Brandon Marshall that whole time, jumped the route, and then he was gone. And that was really nice scene. I thought he might also had one early in the game. Uh, there was a pass to Marshall on the sideline. Marshall had his hands down by his hips. And Prince had a hand in there, and he could have taken that one too uh, if he was a tad bit more aggressive. But he he read the right play at the right time. So huge, huge shout-out to Prince of Mukamara, despite the one penalty that made me want to rip my hair out. Yeah, I mean, redemption. That's what it all comes down to. Yep. You know, you give up the penalty, which leaves the point. The very next drive, you turn around with the pick six of your own. Your first ever pick six of your entire football career, which is astonishing that a guy who plays cornerback in the NFL has never had one in any level of the game, but it's okay. It's over with. He now has one and is here in Chicago and is a big one at that. I'll highlight Bryce Callahan and you can throw in Sherrick mm-hmm. McManus here as well, because a couple of times Vic Fangio is getting very creative using both of those, uh, you know, smaller corners on those delayed blitzes from the slot. Uh, Callahan, Callahan, I have him tabbed on twice. Same with McManus, which were on back to back plays and just finding creative ways to, uh, Kind of, I mean, they're all focused on the front seven. So when you send that extra rusher uh, from the slot, I mean, it worked out really well tonight. On uh, Callahan's first blitz, uh, it was on a third down. Forrest Wilson up the pocket, and immediately he was gobbled up in sack. So, I mean, even though it's not Callahan getting the sack, he's still forcing Wilson to maneuver in a way that maybe he doesn't want to. And when he does so, he's going right into the hands of the Bears' front seven, and he got taken down. And then just another week, uh, you mentioned, Nick, uh, Adrian Amos coming up, making those tackles on the tight end. I just want to say Bryce Callahan, just another week uh, that he's been very consistent with his open field tackling. And we've seen that out of Bryce uh, for the past few seasons now that he's very strong. He uses those long arms. He goes low on guys in order to, uh, you know, wrap them up. Doesn't try to tack them high and gets driven back. He's a very strong open field tackler. And I think it's a very underrated aspect of his game that uh, I'm fine with flying under the radar. Any final thoughts about the Bears secondary? And if not, any final thoughts about the Bears' defense? And let's go to B. Yeah, I'll touch on the safeties real quick. You touched on Amos. Uh, I think he still needs to improve a little bit on his open field tackling. I think he had one missed one uh, in this one. That I was kind of disappointed in early in the game. Ray Jackson, he was my MVP because he was able to bounce back from having a, a quote-unquote lazy performance last week. Uh, so I was really happy to see that. He, re- he did everything right, uh, in my opinion, on this one. Even the tire lock at touchdown. He could have been back there to help, but he was reading run, and they were running that whole drive. I think you read it right uh, regardless. So big shout out to the safeties on this one, underrated play. And it was nice to see them not be at the top of the, the stat sheet for tackles, like you said earlier. Uh, used to be a common thing, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. So I'm sure it kind of bugs them a little bit, as competitors as they are. But that means front seven is doing their job. So I guess to just wrap up the defense as a whole, I mean, this is this year's just going to be a lot of fun. I've never felt so comfortable with a 10-3 to 3 lead into halftime <laughs> since we started doing this podcast as I did tonight. 
Like there was just no reason for me to even be nervous about what the defense was going to do. There was one, one five minute, four minute span where Seattle was driving. But outside of that, I mean, this defense really is giving me a lot of confidence. They're just out there having fun, making plays. And that's, I'm really enjoying watching this. And I'm really excited for the rest of the year in this defense. Yeah. What about you, Nick? How do you want to close it off here on the D? You know, I think ESPN did a good job with this, and they were just saying the monsters of the midway are back, and they truly are. I mean, like you said, Brandon, you felt comfortable with a 10-3 to lead. That never would have happened just because, you know, the Bears defense would give up something at some point, but this defense is scary good. It really is, and I know we were talking about top five, and I know a fan asked us at our um, in-person live podcast uh, a few weeks ago, like, can they be top three? Well, they can. They definitely have the potential, the playmakers, the right defensive coordinator to be a top three defense. And I think they showed a statistic on ESPN, like the top three defenses that paid the most for um, their defensive players on there. The Bears are one of them with the Vikings and Eagles. So those are top defenses in this league. So I think the Bears are right there. And this is this is a unit that can really carry this team. Obviously, Mitch Trubisky is going to grow, but this defense can carry them. And they're just going to be scary good and see how much better they can get when you know, Roquan Smith actually knows what he's doing. Cleo Mack is still fully conditioned, and, you know, everything just comes together, and it's starting to already, but they're the, the monsters of the midway are back. Let's just put it as simple as that. Yeah, and it all comes back to fun. I mean, they're <laughs> they're dominating, and they're enjoying it, uh, and when that happens, when your defense is playing aggressive and also kind of with a chip on their shoulder, and you can see that they're all really enjoying themselves, they're not overly, you know, reacting or timid or worried or scared, Um not really. I'm trying to think. I don't think I saw any times, and this is something that we haven't seen in years past, where uh, they're a little off. How do I want to, how do I want to phrase this? Like a little bit off in terms of their coverage, or a little confused. They're not confused. Like they know exactly what they're doing. They know the system now. They don't have to. I mean, I haven't seen any blown coverages besides the one debacle in Green Bay last week. But they've been very sound in terms of you're not seeing guys uh, having to communicate deep into the snap count. Uh, they might make some last second adjustments, but overall, like they get there, they get lined up. And with how good the front seven is, they don't even really need to uh, disguise too much. Like, here we go. We're going to beat you. Here comes Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman up the middle. What do you got? And it's simple, but it works. And that's what I really like about this Bears defense. And like Brandon said, it's going to be a very exciting defense to watch all season long. I mean, we're only in uh, you know week two, and the Bears defense has uh, seven less points uh, than the Bears offense does so far. It's 21 for the Bears offense, 14 for the Bears defense. So uh, it's a lot of fun indeed. B, you unmuted, so I thought you had something to add. Oh, I mean, I can add that that could be a, could have been a stat of the game, I guess. It could have been. <laughs> I, would, I never thought about how many points the defense has scored so far. It's real interesting. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and enter the fourth quarter of our show, and let's go ahead and begin with a quick hit on special teams. Last uh, To do the preview, I gave you all, uh, we all took one thing to kind of, preview so let's just go ahead and go around the horn and one takeaway from it let's go to nick first i'll just take like the easy one uh tree cohen is a uh, yeah i did have teams, <laughs> but um tree cohen is a punt returner he's really i think gotten better at just reading those blocks and being uh you know very i guess just making one cut and going upfield and that's what you want to see from tree cohen just making progress even if it's a small return you just want to see him uh, make that there are the question. I think the very first punt return, uh, he catches it within the five yards and you're like five yard line. You're like, ah, oh, what are you doing? But he makes up for that for sure with some good returns. So you're going to get some bad, some good with Tree Cohen, but I think there's more good to come out of him being the punt returner. Yeah. Four returns, 58 yards. Again, that long one of 32 tonight, nothing to complain about. 
at all. Let's go over to B. What's your going to be your special team's takeaway? Uh, I'll do one for each team because I've never seen two drop kick kickoffs <laughs> in a game before. So that was new. Or one. Uh, Admit it. Or, or one, one for that matter. Exactly. Uh, but Cody Park is still perfect on the air. Let's see how long he continue, uh, can continue that streak. I'm, I think that he's a more reliable kicker than the three or four we had mm. last year, obviously. No, I have a metal and glass desk. So anyone listening, you guys there, if you have any wood, just maybe give it a little <laughs> knock for that one. Um, so for me, I'll go ahead and I'll talk about the punter, Pat O'Donnell, because if you're looking at his five punts and you see the 41.2 average, uh, for those who didn't watch the game, would be a little disappointed. But what is going to be lost in the shuffle here is that for the majority of those punts, uh, he had a very short field to work with. So, of course, he's not going to give you a 60-yard punt when you're punting from the 50. Now, obviously, in an ideal world, uh, we find a way not to punt from uh, inside of our you know opposing territory. Um, but what I really like out of O'Donnell, though, uh, out of those five punts, three of them ended up being inside the 20, and zero went for a touchback. So he's really, you know, really winning that field position game of pinning opponents deep. We saw that tonight, and hopefully it's a trend that we see continue because over the past few years, that's the one area I really wanted O'Donnell to clean up is getting those balls inside the 20 and, out of course, uh, keeping them out of the end zone for those touchbacks. All right, brothers, let's go ahead and grade the game. I'm curious what grade you're going to give this. It's a win, so usually we're pretty kind, but uh, I'm, I'm curious where you're going to go. Let's go to B first. I'll give it a B for B. No, I'm joking, but I'm, I'll, I'll give it a B plus. Uh, there's a lot of good things to take away, a lot of progress made, uh, but for the offense really is what's going to drag this grade down from not getting an A because the defense by itself deserves an A in this one, uh, hands down. But the, the offense kind of drags it down to a B plus. Just uh, need to be able to find a way to, I guess like Nick said earlier, have better decision-making, be more aware of the game, know when it's okay to take those chances. And that's something that's going to fall on Trubisky more game experience as he gets. I like the aggressiveness that's coming, and we're going to see some mistakes with that. Uh, he's still young, and he's going to have to continue to grow. But f- uh, for the reason of just not being able to uh, put up points, it's nice to see the long sustained drives, but at times when they just kind of go dry, not being able to put up points when we know that they have to put points up on the board, uh, they kind of they kind of struggle a little bit, and I need to see them overcome that to, to get this grade up a little bit. But for tonight, it's a B plus because I, I think they really do deserve an A, but trying to be a little modest here. There's some areas to work on. Sure. I see Nick has broke out his red pen over there. So what is your grade? I actually don't have my red pen, but uh, I think I'll go with a B for this one. Um, Again, like you said, like the, the defense played phenomenal lights out the last uh, couple second touchdown, whatever that, that doesn't really make uh, or break this, this performance that this defense had throughout the entirety of the game. But it's the offense, and you can't turn over the ball. Two interceptions. Trubisky needs to get better in that aspect. The rushing game needs to improve. Um, but they did score fourteen, you know, two touchdowns in um, the second half there. So, yeah, I give it a B for that reason. I think the offense will get better, and then you'll start to see. I don't know if the offense is going to really reach that defensive level just because of where we know it's playing at. But I'll give it a B. B is pretty solid. B plus is good as well. Is there like a B, like, what's the middle between B and B plus? Is there such a thing? Can I event such a okay. thing? Because I feel like that's where it's at. Because B plus is getting close to the A minus range, and I don't know if I want to go there with what we saw from, you know, the offense in general today. There's still a little bit of conservativeness. Current, yeah, you know what I was trying to say to it. And, uh, yeah, and the defense is really, really good. But I'll give it a B plus. I really had to choose one uh, just because – uh, you guys already kind of hit on all the great points today, but if the offense would just take a few more steps, if they would find a way to convert on some third downs, especially here in the second half of games, 
uh, being a little bit more aggressive in terms of closing them out, I would feel a little bit more comfortable with giving them that A- minus today. But if you want to be very optimistic, I think A- minus isn't even a poor grade or one that would be wrong because the Bears were able to overcome mistakes despite having mistakes, finding a way to not make them be the reasons why we're talking about a Bears loss today, but instead we're talking about a Bears victory. So despite the fact that the Bears had two turnovers, uh, they forced some of their own, then the ones that we had, we didn't. We ensured that no damage came from them. So you know what? I talked myself into it. I'm going to go A- minus because I'm just <laughs> drinking the Kool-Aid tonight after talking about this for about an hour and a half. But uh, all right, let's go ahead. Two-minute warning time, guys. And for those wondering what the two-minute warning is, this is where we wrap up our thoughts on this game and put things into a season-long perspective moving forward. And let's go to Brandon first. The complimentary football is just really nice to see, finally. The Bears had the ball for 34 minutes in this one, keeping the defense off the field and rested. And that's why they're able to be able to create some of these turnovers, some of the big plays that we've seen. I hope that's something we continue to see. I know we all talked about how, you know, on the offense, there's still some some steps to be made, and there are, but we're also seeing a lot of progress, uh, a little bit quicker than I thought we would have. Uh, as long as the aggressiveness continues, as long as they continue that aggressive mentality, stay detailed in everything, this offense is really going to succeed, and it's only going to grow with each and every game that comes because defenses are going to throw different things their way, and they're going to learn from it, be able to build on it from week to week. Defense, I mean, Cleo Mack, he's just bringing all the energy. I mean, that's something we've talked about since he's been here creating that that competition within himself, within others, uh, it really helps elevate the level of defense. And I think top three is absolutely, Nick brought it up, a very good uh, spot for them, I think, to be at right now, especially with the most takeaways in the league. Or sacks, sorry, not takeaways. Most sacks in the league. Uh, I think that's a very fitting spot for them right now as top three. And I just, I'm giddy about it. Like, I don't know that I'll go to bed because I'm like, oh, Cleo Mack and, and Aaron Lynch of all guys to be excited about. Like, he's, he's trending in the right direction as well. So, I mean... A lot of good things on this defensive side of the ball. They're definitely going to be the one that keeps the Bears in games for sure if the offense goes dry. It's official. Brandon is giddy. Let's go over to Nick. What's <laughs> going to be your two-minute warning? Before I get to that, I just want to plug the audio mailbag. Uh, just submit your questions at 872-240-4007. That's 872-240-4007. Brandon and I would love to get a whole bunch of questions, especially after a Bears win this week. But for my two-minute warning, Again, we know what the defense is going to be. They are a top three, top five, top three unit. And this defense is going to give this offense chances to win games. And let's just see how Matt Nagy and Trubisky, obviously going through this for the first time as a head coach and, you know, with a new system, all these new playmakers, let's see them. One, just give them patience. Just obviously that's what it needs with a new system. It's going to take time. It took, I think, Alex Smith like two to three years to actually get the the system down. It's not going to – Trubisky is not going to be good within the first – you know, year, first four games. So the offense is going to have its struggles. But I think as Bears fans, we really just need to give it some time. We we gave Cutler so much time, and yet he never panned out. So let's give Trubisky some time and not be critical of him after, you know, what, 14 starts as a in his NFL career. So that's all I want to say on that. The Bears, uh, they're going to be in some games, and it's going to be uh, interesting to watch with the, the games that are coming forward with against the Cardinals. It's Sam Bradford being a guy that can't really move. This defense is going to dominate. So it's it's going to be fun to watch Bears football moving forward with this season. Yeah, and real quick on Trubisky, it's okay to be critical, but not overly critical to yeah. a certain degree. And that's what I want to make sure to throw out there. But uh, my two-minute warning, I mean, guys, we're sitting at 500. First time in 38 NFL weeks that the Bears have been 500. Uh, first time in how long that we're not in the basement in the division? We're officially in third. Uh, I think, uh, no, we've been in the NFC North basement for 38 weeks. 
Uh, we lost the last five home openers. That's now gone. We now finally won one of those. And Russell Wilson now has two losses on Monday Night Football in his career. So the Bears, you know, the odds were stacked a little bit against them in terms of some of these statistics. And they kind of, you know, turned the table here a little bit. So we're no longer in the NFC North basement. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, the Bears have finally are they're 1-0 in home openers against with Matt Nagy as coach. So that's great as well. Um, but, no, we're only two points away, guys, from being 2-0. I mean, honestly, when you look at it, two points away to being 2-0. and And last week, we just saw some greatness happen from Aaron Rodgers. We saw the Packers in the Vikings game, and they played each other very tough, and it was a very close game, and the Lions are going to lion. And <laughs> it makes you really wonder where the Bears stand in this division if they kind of can play up to their potential, especially on offense. I think this defense gives them a shot to uh, at least finish in second place here in this division if they can go out here and win some of these games. I mean, of of course, they have to win games to become second in division, but win some of these games that they're supposed to and just sneak a couple away that maybe people aren't really anticipating them to. I think the defense is as good to keep them in every single game this season. I mean, there's going to be instances where they're going to bend a little bit more than we've seen over the last couple of weeks, but the talent's here on this defense to keep game, us in games, and it, the offense can just uh, be a little bit more consistent. Uh, again, with we'll see the growth that we keep seeing here, and if they can just keep, kind of keep trending in the right direction as a uh, a phrase that we've been throwing out on the show, then, yeah, the Bears should be very dangerous this season. I mean, leading to the NFL in sacks, uh, usually good things happen uh, after that. So for me, uh, to close this show, I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, I know we were very down after last week's loss on Sunday night, uh, so I'm not trying to get too overly optimistic after this victory as well, but Sometimes it's hard when you realize you're only two points away from being 2-0. and And if the Bears were 2-0 and right now, if the Bears would have found a way to close out last week's game, man, just talk about the expectations, what we would be talking about this team. It would have been crazy. But instead, we're 1-1, one one, but it's not a bad place to be either. We're third in the NFC North, and we have plenty of time. This is only week two. I mean, the season is only, what, one-eighth of the way there. So we'll see that growth on offense. Let's keep it up on defense. And we'll t- we'll figure out the season one week at a time. I got a real quick question for you guys, though. Now that we know where we're at, sitting one and one, knowing we're only two points away from being two and zero, oh, uh, if we went back and told ourselves that we were two points away from being two and zero, oh, what would your guys' reaction be to that? I guess because I wouldn't have guessed that we'd have been two and zero oh by only two points if you know that's what it came down to be. Good question. Uh, depends. When are you going to be saying this? Like, when would you ask me before Khalil Mack? I'm assuming. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. I know. I mean, before Cleo Mack, I wanted to split these two games regardless, um, but I didn't expect both of these to be so close in terms of last week's Green Bay. I mean, this one, yeah, I mean, this one's around what I expected. But um, in terms of uh, last week, I didn't anticipate it being uh, that close, and I thought if we win one, we drop the other. Um, But both of them, I mean, we're right in last week. This one, of course, we won, so we're more than in it. We actually were able to come away with the victory. Um, but if we were going to say, if you're going to say like, Hey, we're just two points away from being two and O I would have been, I'm going to be very excited for what's to come this season because two and O would have been remarkable. One and one's a very good place to be. Most teams are one and one this week. So for us to be right in the thick of it, where everyone else is at with a lot of potential, we know this bears offense has potential. We just need to see it come together and we'll see it. It just takes time. It just takes time. And this defense it's a lot of fun. What about you, B? I mean, Nick. Um, this is before the Mac trade, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Well, I had high expectations for this Bears team, and I really thought they can go into Green Bay and beat them without Khalil Mack, just because I didn't think Green Bay would be as good as they are, and their defense has surprised me this season so far. But, um, yeah, it is pretty surprising, though, to say that we would be 2-0, and but just by two points, two points. And, you know, if we didn't have that debacle in the second half against the, the Packers, they probably would be 2-0. and So it is surprising, but... Again, it isn't because I know that this Bears team, I know that's capable of, and I think we know where it can be, and we just got to wait until it actually gets there. Fantastic. I like it. That's a good way to close the show. B, do you have anything you want to chime in real quick since you posed the question before I yeah, sign I'll, off? I'll answer my own question. If, uh, if <laughs> before the Cleo Mac trade, if you just said we'd have been two points away from being 2-0, no, I'd have said no way because if you go back to the schedule preview, I said they would struggle in the first four weeks. I think I had him winning one of the four in the first quarter of the season. So I'm really surprised with where we're at. Uh, granted, Cleo Mack plays a huge role in that, and I'm glad that he's here because, like you guys said already, it's going to be a lot of fun. Great. I'm glad you got to answer your own question, B. Me too. Aww. It's official. I'm giddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag confirmed. All right, though, let's close it out. It's been a long show. So that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. I want to thank you all who are watching live. Uh, it's late. It's almost one o'clock my time, midnight Chicago time, and we have about 500 people here throughout the majority of this show, which is really awesome. I'm glad you're able to hear to you know partake in our chat, listen to the show live, and again, open invitation for all of you uh, listening to the podcast to uh, join these live shows immediately after every Bears game right here on our YouTube channel. Um, and of course, everyone who is listening to that podcast, we appreciate you just as much. The next time you hear from us, we're gonna. It's a short week, so there's really no time to relax. Tomorrow night, we're gonna go ahead and meet the Cardinals, a team that lost 34 to zero against the LA Rams yesterday. So it's gonna be uh, maybe we're talking about a two and one team uh, this time next week. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We have a week to prepare. So until the, we meet the Cardinals, enjoy the victory Tuesday. I know it's a little bit different than victory Monday, but you can definitely start celebrating now if you want. Um, but no, enjoy your victory Tuesday, and of course. Bear down, Chicago. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.